0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Happy New Year and welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa. Thank you for joining me today. Hope everyone had a great holiday season. Uh, Mine was fantastic. i actually unplugged a little bit, which it's been some time since I did that. Um, I got some work done. I, I actually, I probably over the week between Christmas and New Year's sent, I don't know, 125 emails. Here's the thing. I didn't send any, of, and, and those are emails to outside, outside of the company. So those are emails to either clients, vendors, deals that are working. And what I did was unless it was urgent, which there wasn't much urgent, we had done a pretty good job of, you know, closing before year end and closing before Christmas. The, I got to tell you that on that note, it's one of the biggest reliefs ever normally like between Christmas and new years, at least on, you know, my side of the business where we're racing we, we got a lot closed before christmas which i feel like it, it there's, there's usually the spillover after so there wasn't this year as much there's some but it, they weren't ready to sign anyway they're, they're gonna have to get signed in january or february so that was great anyway i digress what i did was i sent the emails that i was sending them in there's like 125 emails delayed delivery to go out between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. this morning. Since they weren't urgent, I thought last week they wouldn't get a lot of attention. And I figured being top of mind, first email this morning. So it, I'll get more attention. Now, a lot of those emails are action-oriented emails. So they're requiring what like, their emails about setting up a future meeting. So I had it. Message my assistant and say, Hey, listen, I don't want you to get concerned that you missed anything because on Monday or Tuesday morning, you're going to get about 150 emails that you're copied on about setting meetings. It's because I delayed to read all of these. So I'm very curious when she gets in, when she opens her inbox, how she's going to uh, uh, react to that. Anyway, on to the next. So every year, I talk about that. I learn a new skill, or I try to learn. Maybe the wrong word. Maybe get, improve at a skill. Um, and normally, those skills are business professional skills. I've told everyone I've hired a voice coach before. I've hired a um, copywriting coach, social media coach. So. I think it's pretty important to just keep improving your skills. These are outside of goals, in my opinion, right? You have goals like, you, you know, how much, you know, what you want to do about your health, what you want to do uh, about your financial situation, what you want to do from a career perspective. This, to me, is different. This is a skill that helps all of that. Well, <clears throat> I started thinking about it, and I have one that I think I'm... Um, going to, I haven't, I'm negotiating a deal with the person who would be a coach in this scenario, but, so I have one that I'm working on that's business professional. I think by the end of January, I will probably be starting that, enhancing that skill. But one thing that I, you know, I, in my network, I've been talking to people about is, Improving a skill outside of the business professional. And that could be physical, like golf, right? Or something, anything. But how much effort should you put in that if you're laser focused on your career and someone, uh, you know, I sat down with who was very successful was like, I think it's time for you to really think about a skill improvement, Outside of your career, because it will actually indirectly help your career. And I was like, eh, I don't know. <clears throat> so, but I've been thinking about this. Right, I, I would tell you, I start thinking about my next year skill in the summer of the the pre the prior year. So, probably July, August of twenty three. I started thinking about what am I going to do in. 2024. So, and in this summer, I will do the same. Anyway, one of my hobbies that many, you know, a little bit inside of me, maybe you may or may not know, is I'm a pretty avid sports cards collector. So, I collected sports cards when I was uh, a younger kid. And then I kind of went on a hiatus. And then I started back up again, about a year and a half, two years prior to COVID. So 2018-ish, 2019. And by the way, that was the the start of the the meteor hockey stick growth of the sports card hobby. And I love it. It's a really cool hobby. Uh, It's interesting. It's grown so much. I can't believe how big it is now, the sports cards hobby. It's fascinating. But, and and so you have some wins and losses, right? And it's very, it's very correlated to how sports players are playing. And I think that's obvious, but it's super correlated. So there's a lot of timing involved and you got to know the comps. But typically there's this thing called um, grading. And typically a card that's graded well is better than a card that's not graded. Well, and so, but it's like this, you you send it to a grading agency. It's like, think of like S and P or Moody's, the grading agency for sports cards, PSA. That said, the, the graded cards are much more valuable than the non-graded cards. Even the same card, as long as it grades well and a 10 would be well. They call that Gem Mid Card. So why am I talking about sports cards? Well, talking about sports cards is because last year, at the end of last year, I signed up for a class to learn how to grade sports cards. I say learn how to grade, how to, how to look at a sports card and be able to have a better indication if it will grade well if you send it off. So when you're buying sports cards to really understand the condition and this was a class I took and a, a skill I was learning. It's in the sports car copy. Now, if you can think about it, you're looking at a sports car and you might be looking under a microscope, right? Well, this is a highly detailed skill. I am not a I'm a run, 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 make business move, make business happen type of person really type A personality, go, 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 go. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'll leave details out or I'll miss a detail. I'm not the highest detail oriented person. Uh, I have a lot of other skills. That's not one of them. So this is very hard for me, right? This is very hard for me. Um, and But it's been interesting and fascinating uh, as I've, you know, I went to one card show over the Christmas holidays. And so I was trying to use this skill and looking at cards very hard for me, but it doesn't matter whether it's cooking. It doesn't matter if it's surfing, golf, whatever. Spending time in learning a new skill, or it could be something business professional, uh, is something everybody should do. And um, it's, it's, really been super helpful for me over the years. I recommend it to you in the new year, find a skill. As I said, stay tuned the end of this month. There's a business professional skill that I'm working on. Hopefully I can lock down a deal and I'll tell everybody what that is. Uh, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but I'm sure you will enjoy it. Okay. So let's talk some retail real estate. This is going to be a quick hitter episode. <clears throat> it's not about a store. It's about a bunch of deals around stores that I find interesting. And I say interesting because as we're acquiring centers, it's what I'm learning, what I'm about to talk about, it's not always done other places. And there's a gap in a deal if it's not done. <clears throat> And that is something called possession contingency. Now I'm releasing a newsletter, stay tuned, uh, once a month that the first newsletter is going to speak about this possession contingency concept. But possession contingency is when I sign a lease with someone for space A, and the deal, the lease with that person, let's call them tenant, you know, toy store, Sign a lease with the toy store and for space A, but space A is occupied by someone else. So my lease with the Toy Store, we would put in there, is contingent on us getting possession from the existing tenant in space A. Now, let's let's back that up. That that makes sense on the surface. Now let me let me Is that necessary if the following conditions exist? Toy store. I sign a lease with the toy store. My delivery date, I have to deliver to the toy store July 1st, 2024. Okay? Delivery date July 1st, 2024. Everyone's got that. Now, existing tenant in this space, lease expires January 31st, 2024. I am signing the lease with the toy store, November, 2023. So, I signed the lease November 23 to deliver July 24. And there is a tenant in that space until January 31st, 2024. The question becomes, do I need have a possession contingency with the toy store which means the following the provision would say something to the effect of this deal is contingent on the landlord getting possession from uh, the existing tenant in the space within call it 180 days from lease signing so I signed the lease in November I have to get possession from the tenant in the space by April something like that I don't have to deliver to the toy store until November anyway. So why would that be necessary? That would be necessary because everyone forgets while the person or the person's, the the business in the space A right now, their lease expires January 31st. But what if they don't leave? Regardless of their lease, what if they don't leave? Well, now as a landlord, I'm gonna pickle, right? Because I got a tenant in the space, but I've signed an agreement that gives this up, this toy store, the right to that space, but I don't have physical possession. And that tenant probably has a holdover provision where probably they're allowed to stay month to month until I give them notice to leave. But even if I do that, what if they, I give them notice to leave and they don't? They just don't. And now I have to go through the court process and evict them. I might miss my, depending on which state this is in. I could miss my November delivery date. My out with the toy store, or not out. My just to make sure everybody's on the same page, is this possession contingency. And I mentioned we 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 look at acquiring a lot of shopping centers where there's a tenant going into a space. And sometimes we're acquiring a shop center where there's a tenant going into a space and in that space is an existing tenant and this possession contingency doesn't always exist in leases. So there's a gap, there's room for something to go awry. So I I put that out there. There's going to be an enhanced uh, story about, uh, a true story about this. Going out in my newsletter uh, this week, first time newsletter. Uh, I think everyone will like it. But, uh, it, and it revolves around this possession contingency. Does the landlord need it? Should the toy store get it? Isn't it good for the toy store? To who I say toy store in this example, this was toy store. So, anyway, um, think about that possession contingency. Is it necessary? Do you? Do you have it in all your agreements? If not, should you? Who knows? With that, um, I hope everyone had a great new year. Pick up a new skill, everybody. It's good for you. Um, And uh, stay tuned for next week's episode of Retail Retold. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retail at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.